Back Blue Shirts fans to episode number 153 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I am your host, John Chick, and today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. And got a lot to get into today. Of course, the new uh, collective bargaining agreement believed to be a six-year deal. Just about to become official, just needs to be ratified by the players, but Right now, Phase 3 will be pushed back from July 10th to July 13th at the earliest. Phase 3 is, of course, the return to training camp and official team practices. It was originally thought that the date would be July 10th for the beginning of Phase 3, but the negotiations between the NHL and the NHL Players Association have pushed that date back. The good news is that it sounds like a tentative agreement is in place, and it sounds like basically any minute now uh, the agreement could be ratified and we will move forward with a new CBA that goes through the next six seasons. And the other big piece of news, and we talked about this on our last episode as well, but teams will be reporting to the hub cities on July 26, and those two hub cities will be Edmonton and Toronto. At the time, it looked like, at the time of our last episode, it looked like the NHL was really starting to zero in on Edmonton and Toronto as the two hub cities. Of course, we've heard a lot of different rumors ever since this return to play proposal was put on the table. You know, Vegas was a front runner for a long, long time. And then unfortunately, uh, COVID kind of spiked there and it just gave the NHL some pause about putting players in that environment. I know there have been a lot of different uh, cities kicked around. You know, Chicago had a little bit of momentum for a time. Maybe Pittsburgh was tossed around a little bit, but ultimately they have come to an agreement that it will be Edmonton and Toronto. And I speculated on this in the last episode as well, but indeed it will be the Eastern Conference teams, including the Rangers, going to Toronto. The Western Conference teams will head for Edmonton. And geographically, that just makes sense because Toronto is farther east than Edmonton. Toronto is in the Eastern time zone, same as New York. So Ranger fans, not too much will change as far as what time the puck drops uh, for these games. Uh, It won't be too much different than what we're used to, I wouldn't think. I would imagine all those games would start right around 7 o'clock, maybe a couple at 8 o'clock, you never know. But Edmonton is two hours behind. So it would have been unfortunate for Ranger fans if the Rangers and the rest of the Eastern Conference teams ended up, you know, in a Western time zone or a mountain time zone uh, city, just because, you know, obviously that would mean that we're starting these games a little bit later and people have work the next day. So anyone worried about having to stay up late for these playoff games, not knowing where the Rangers were going to end up, fear not because they will be in Toronto. So you're not going to have to deal with any uh, 10 o'clock start times or anything like that. I wouldn't think so. I I couldn't think of any reason why a playoff game in Toronto would have to start at 10 p.m. But above all else, it just sounds like these are the two safest options that were on the table for the NHL. COVID has not spread there the way it's spread in some other areas. And Edmonton offers the league some isolation, as it is a much smaller city than some of the others that were in consideration. And then, of course, Toronto, it's basically, uh, you know, the, the capital of hockey because the NHL has some offices in that city, which I would imagine would also be pretty convenient. You know, the NHL league office is nearby. There are plenty of ice surfaces for practicing, and it also, like we just said, gives the league an Eastern 
time zone city to host playoff games, which is valuable uh, for television because obviously more people will be able to watch at 7 p.m. than they would be able to watch at 10 p.m. if, say, the Rangers were playing at 10 p.m. If the puck's dropping at 10 p.m., not everybody's going to be able to stay up that late for those games, although it is the playoffs, so you you got you to gotta make some sacrifices every once in a while and stay up late with your team. We will also be getting the second phase of the NHL draft lottery immediately after the qualifying round of the playoffs has concluded. So once eight teams have been knocked out of the qualifying round, those eight teams will be in a lottery and every one of them will have an equal chance, a one in eight chance of landing the top pick in the NHL draft and obviously probably taking Alexi Lafreniere. It sounds like he's the consensus number one. He's going to go number one basically no matter who gets the pick. Everything that I'm hearing, I can't see that going any other way. I mean, you never know. Maybe a team gets that number one pick and then they want a King's Ransom in exchange for that pick and they, they see if they can create a bidding war and just, you know, sell off that pick and get some valuable assets in return. But Everything I've read sounds like Alexi Lafreniere is going to go number one, and whoever gets that number one overall pick is simply going to take him and and really not think twice about it. Uh, Very, very promising young player. And that draft lottery will occur sometime around August 10th. And I recently did an episode. The title of the episode, in fact, was Real Fans Never Root Against Their Own Team. And I do believe this, and I especially believe it in hockey once you've already made the playoffs, because there's been some speculation, you know, should these teams tank to get a chance at getting Alexi Lafreniere with the number one overall pick? And the answer is no, because first of all, you're already in the playoffs, so you'd be doing a disservice to yourself, your fans, your organization, your city, everything else. You're in the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. You compete as hard as you can, and you do everything you can to beat your opponent and try to go on some kind of uh, Stanley Cup run here. So if you're the Rangers, we'll start with them. Uh, No, you don't tank. Uh, The Rangers, when you look at their situation, they were, a lot of people left them for dead right around the All-Star break, and they were multiple points out of a playoff spot. They scratched and clawed their way right back into it. They were only two points out of a playoff spot when the season went on pause, and now, of course, the 2014 tournament, they get in. But they did a lot of work to to get back into that playoff chase, and they have a lot of momentum, and they've been one of the better teams in the league after the All-Star break. So no, you don't throw that away just to have a 1-8 in chance at getting the number one overall pick. I'll never understand that logic. But around the league, it's more the same. If you look at NHL.com, every day there's a new article about a different team saying, yeah, we don't care about the number one overall pick. We care about winning a playoff series and, you know, trying to win the Stanley Cup. Ultimately, that's the ultimate goal. So that's just good to hear because... There are issues with tanking in other sports. You know, NBA, it's been a problem for a long time. And in the NFL, it's kind of reared its ugly head a little bit more than usual. There's teams that just go into the season that seemingly have no intentions of putting a competitive team on the field, and they just want to increase their chances of of getting, you know, the first overall pick. And it's just good to see in hockey that that doesn't really happen. These guys are not interested in that. You know, obviously, it's a great consolation prize. We talked about that as well. If the Rangers lose in the first round, then yeah, obviously, I'm going to root for them to get the number one overall pick. But if you give me my choice, the Rangers can beat the Hurricanes or they can lose to the Hurricanes and have a one and eight shot. Yeah, I'm going to take the former because I want to see the Rangers uh, do well in the playoffs. I want to see these guys get some experience and I want to see them go on some kind of a run here because you never know what can happen. You know, you, you, you don't. We've seen teams come out of nowhere to have some really, really impressive runs in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, yeah, it's nice to see that the Rangers uh, don't have the mentality of losing just to get a 1-8 chance at the number one overall pick. And it's great to hear that from other franchises around the league. You know, players, coaches, uh, front offices, everybody wants to go into the Stanley Cup playoff tournament, and they want to win. And they're not concerned with the number one overall pick. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. 
Why endure often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning, like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and have to wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse just happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Another story we got to talk about here is the St. Louis Blues on Friday had to cancel practices at their team facility due to multiple positive coronavirus tests. This coming, according to a report from Jeremy Rutherford and Scott Burnside of The Athletic, and apparently the team doesn't see this as a huge setback because practices are supposed to uh, resume today, Monday, uh, per their report. The Blues had been practicing in Maryland Heights, Missouri, and as of now, the players' names have not yet been released, and I think it's good that the NHL and other leagues as well uh, doing their best to respect the players' privacy and not allow their names to be released, and that's all well and good for now. I mean, right now it's easy enough to uh, you know keep it quiet from the public, but once these Stanley Cup playoffs actually begin, it's going to be basically impossible to prevent word of positive coronavirus tests from leaking and, and to protect the players' privacies and prevent their names from getting out there as having coronavirus because... Think about it. I mean, if we're in game three, you know, Rangers Hurricanes, and one of the all-stars on one team or another suddenly just isn't dressed for game three, it's going to be pretty easy to connect the dots. And, you know, you get the feeling that if that happens, coaches will tend to be pretty evasive and, you know, well, you know, he's just dealing with something right now. We just didn't have him available for us tonight. You can almost hear the coaches saying those words, right? And it also kind of reminds me of a situation that's going on with MLB right now because... Jordan Alvarez of the Houston Astros has not yet reported to training camp, and they're being extremely vague about why he isn't there. And their manager, Dusty Baker, when he was asked about why he couldn't elaborate about it, basically just said, it's a league mandate. And so can I sit here and say with 100% certainty that it has to be COVID-19? No, I can't say that for sure. But you do start to, I mean, it's common sense, right? You just start to connect the dots a little bit. Okay, this guy isn't here. They're not really saying why. There's no information. There's no availability to talk to the player. So, I mean, use common sense, right? You know, and it's going to be the same thing with the NHL when the playoffs start, if and when there's some kind of an outbreak, or not even an outbreak, but just, you know, one or two players missing from the lineup on any given night, it's going to be pretty easy to connect the dots about what's going on here, especially if there's no other injury uh, being reported or any other injury that happened during one of the games or during practices. You're going to be able to figure it out uh, what's going on if, if a player, a really good player, is suddenly just scratched from the lineup. So, I, again, I, I don't know how you're going to get through, first of all, get through the playoffs without any kind of an outbreak happening or without COVID spreading at all. But then secondarily, if you, if there is a, a case where somebody catches COVID, I don't see how 
there's going to be any way to keep word from getting out that, you know, player A or player B has COVID-19, you know, I just, because they're not going to be on the ice and you'll use common sense and probably be able to figure it out. Uh, it's a tough situation. You know, we, we've talked about for quite some time now. I mean, it, it's coming up on four months without any hockey and we've been talking about all the pros and cons of finishing this season. Uh, should they finish this season? If they do, how should they do it? I know we all want hockey, but you just hope that the NHL and medical professionals are acting responsibly and that players aren't getting sick and spreading the disease to others just to get in the Stanley Cup playoffs or in the case of the NBA, just to get in you know, the rest of their season or MLB to start their season or even the NFL. I mean, it's not time for football yet, but it'll be here before you know it. And you just hope that they act responsibly as well. There have already been several MLB players, as we talked about, that have opted out of the upcoming season due to concerns with COVID-19. Now, as of now, no player in the NHL has opted out, but you do wonder if it could be coming at some point. If a player does opt out, and this is according to the new CBA, there will be no penalty for for any player who chooses not to play in the postseason this summer. Uh, there was originally some talk that you know anything other than a medical condition if a player were to opt out, that they would not be eligible for a playoff share and would not receive the final quarterly pension credit for the season. But as it turns out, it sounds like that will not be the case. Any player is free to opt out and there will be no penalty for doing so. This according to a report from Frank Saravalli of TSN. Also per Saravalli in this same report, the playoff share is increasing. The playoff bonus pool will double this season from $16 million to $32 million, and any player on a team that loses in the best-of-five qualifying round will receive $20,000. Players in each round will see bonuses increase from there, and whichever team wins the Stanley Cup, every single player on that championship team will get $240,000. So there's quite the payday involved in winning the Stanley Cup, and if you think about it, you know, some of these players, I mean, some of these players are, are very well paid, and they're all, you know, relatively well paid, but, you know, some of them are still only at six figures, and so you, you take a player that's maybe making only about, I don't know, say 750k this season, uh, that's another 240k on top of it, so that that's actually, that's not small potatoes, you know, there's financial incentive for winning the Stanley Cup this year as well, perhaps even more so than usual. The salary cap will be frozen for 2020-2021 at $81.5 million and will remain there until hockey-related revenue returns to $4.8 billion, the amount projected for the 2019-20 season before the pandemic. I think a lot of fans of the Olympic and of world competition in general are going to like this part. The NHL will now once again participate in the Olympics. That will include the 2022 Beijing Olympics and the 2026 Milan Olympics pending negotiations with the IIHF and IOC. So basically, players in the NHL will once again be allowed to participate in the Olympics. And I know it's always kind of a little weird because you basically have to stop the NHL regular season to allow these players to participate in the Olympics. But I think it's fine. I mean, it doesn't put one NHL team or another NHL team at much of an advantage or much of a disadvantage, and these players want to do it. You know, they want to represent their country on a, a grand stage and have a chance to compete for a gold medal in the Olympics, so I, I see nothing wrong with that. It's also kind of fun. You know, the one year I know all the games were at like 6 in the morning, 7 in the morning. It's just unique, uh, you know, just watching this these great competitions at different hours of the day. I mean, obviously, that's maybe not quite ideal, but whatever. You know, it's the Olympics. It's just phenomenal hockey, and I can't be opposed to anything that includes great competition and outstanding high-stakes hockey. So, yeah, give me some more NHL participating in the Olympics. I, I love to hear that as part of the new CBA. 
The player's final paycheck from the 2019-2020 season, which had been deferred to this point, uh, will go to repaying their debt to owners, and that totaled roughly $140 million. Now, while the players work to repay their debt to the owners, they cannot pay a higher escrow percentage than 20% for the 2020-2021 season, and then that percentage will incrementally decrease as the years go by. In 2021-2022, it will be 14 to 18%. The following season, it will be 10%. And then from 2023-2024 through the last three years of the new CBA, it will be 6%. Here's something that players will probably like regarding no trade and no move clauses. All of these will now travel with the player in a trade, even if the player is traded before the clause kicks in. And a good example of that, an example that Cerevelli used here in his article, is when the Montreal Canadiens traded P.K. Subban just a few days before his no move clause kicked in. And then the Predators, who acquired Subban from the Canadiens, ended up voiding Subban's no move clause and then were allowed to deal him to New Jersey later. So that will no longer be allowed once you have the no move or no trade clause. Even if the player, as I'm understanding this, even as the player waves it the first time, it doesn't mean that the team that acquires him can then trade him anytime they want. Any any trade involving a player with a no move or a no trade clause will have to be approved by the player. They will have to waive that clause under any circumstances. Another interesting change is the outlawing of front-loaded contracts, and basically what this means is that you won't be able to sign a player to, say, a five-, six-, seven-year deal and pay them you know, 50% of their salary in their first year. Uh, teams occasionally would do that if they knew they weren't going to spend a ton of money anyway, but they wanted to have a really high-priced free agent. They could bring them in and pay them a whole boatload of money the first year when they know they're not going to be pressed for salary cap space anyway. And then that player, this great player, would cost less going forward. And until now, you were allowed to pay a player that you sign in free agency up to 50% of his contract in the first season. And now that will drop from 50% to 35%. So you can't pay a free agent signing any more than 35% of the total money of the contract in the first season. 35% is the maximum, and you'll have to figure it out from there as far as, you know, how much a player makes in every subsequent season going forward. We have breaking news right as I'm sitting here recording this. The NHL has provided an update on the league's latest round of COVID-19 testing results on Monday. The NHL said in a statement as of Monday, July 6th, the NHL has had 396 players report to club training practice facilities for optional participation in Phase 2 activities. There have been in excess of 2,900 COVID-19 tests administered, including more than 1,400 this past week, to this group of players. Those tests have resulted in a total of 23 returning confirmed positive test results for COVID-19. In addition, since June 8th, the opening of Phase 2, the league is aware of 12 additional players who have tested positive for COVID-19 outside of the Phase 2 protocol. All players who have tested positive have been self-isolated and are following CDC and Health Canada protocols. So in a nutshell, that means that nine new players have tested positive for COVID-19 over the last week. And a couple more notes about the new CBA. First of all, the NHL minimum salary will increase from 700000 to 750000 next season. And again, this CBA is for the next six years. In the second to last year of that deal, the minimum salary will increase from 750 k to 775k, And then in the final year of the CBA, it will increase to 800 k So good that, you know, the minimum is on the rise. 
The other issue for next season is that the cap ceiling is going to remain at $81.5 million. Those tend to increase as seasons go along, but obviously we're living in some very unique circumstances right now, to say the very least. And obviously, everyone, all these professional sports league have taken a hit. And as a result, the salary cap is going to remain at $81.5 million. It cannot increase from that number until league revenue hits $4.8 billion. And so that's something we're just going to have to keep an eye on it and see what happens. But yes, the salary cap for next season will remain at $81.5 million. And the Rangers are going to have a lot of difficult choices to make. They were going to have difficult choices to make anyway. But now that you know that the salary cap won't be increased, increasing, it just handcuffs you that much more. And the Rangers, you know, a long time ago, I did a two-part episode about their eight impending free agents, whether they're restricted or unrestricted, and just kind of trying to weigh the pros and cons of re-signing every player, trying to determine how likely it was that they would re-sign every player. You know, Jesper Foss is an unrestricted free agent. You've got guys like Tony D'Angelo. He's a restricted free agent. Uh, Ryan Stromer, a restricted free agent. Alex Georgiev, a restricted free agent, just to name a few. But there are some big decisions that the Rangers are going to have to make. And they're not alone here. Every team in the NHL has to deal with this. They have to deal with the fact that the salary cap will not be increasing next season. So I would imagine really around the league, all these different franchises now going to have a lot of decisions to make that were already going to be difficult, but now they're going to be just even more so because there's only so much money to go around and you might have to let some players walk that you really don't want to let walk, some players that you would like to keep with your team for many years going forward, but it just might not be possible now without uh, the salary cap increasing at all. Once again, we'll stay at $81.5 million. And one last piece of news pertaining to the Rangers specifically, you know, we've kind of taken a broader look at the NHL and, you know, all the obstacles that they're still going through to try to, you know, get this playoff tournament underway and everything with the CBA, but to turn the attention specifically to the Rangers right now. All of their European players have returned to North America. There were a lot of them who left the country when the season was first paused due to COVID. And the players who have made their return include Henrik Lundqvist because of Benajad, Philip Hedl, Alex Georgiev, Jesper Foss, and Capo Caco. So good that everybody's back and they're all pretty much going to be ready to go for Phase 3, which once again is the start of training camp and is expected to begin on July 13th. And then after that, the entire team will head to Toronto for Phase 4 on July 26th, and the playoffs are slated tentatively to begin on August 1st. So circle that date on your calendar. We'll get some uh, New York Rangers Stanley Cup playoff action if everything goes as planned and as long as everybody uh, deems it safe to compete and do these Stanley Cup playoff games, then that's when we're going to have playoff hockey, and it will be fun to see the Rangers back in it, that's for sure. One last piece of great news here before we wrap up for today is... Oscar Lindblom of the Philadelphia Flyers has completed his radiation treatments for a rare form of bone cancer known as Ewing's sarcoma. And this is what Lindblom had to say about it. I can't even explain how I feel. It feels like having my birthday, Christmas, and all those holidays at the same time. It feels awesome to be done. I can't wait to get back to normal life again and feel like I'm living. From family to friends to fans, I can't explain how much that meant to me, especially at the start. It was a rough time, and I got all those kind words. It just made me feel so much better and calm, and it was a real help. And Lindblom... Highly unlikely to, I think they've actually already ruled it out. He will not play in the playoffs this year. I mean, with hockey players, you never know because they are a rare breed and they love playing their sports so much. And they are, you know, for my money, the toughest athletes that we have, you know, in any sport. Uh, just 23 years old. Great to hear that he's overcome this and, uh, you know, completed his radiation treatments. But it does not sound like he'll be back on the ice 
this season in the playoffs, but that's very, very secondary to everything else going on here. It's obviously just great news that he's gotten through that. It sounds like he's healthy. It sounds like he's in good spirits. And at a time when a lot of people, I'm sure, could use some good news, this is exactly that. So so great to hear that Oscar Lindblom has gotten through all this, and he last played on December 7th, so it's been a while since he's played hockey, but he's obviously had much bigger fish to fry, and again, just, just great news to hear that he's beaten this, and that it sounds like he's going to be healthy coming out of this, and we'll look forward to seeing him back there on the ice. And yeah, just wanted to end the show with some positive news for today, but that will do it for now. Once again, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If you would like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Now go ahead and tell your smart device to play the latest edition of Locked On NHL. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.